0: Welcome to the Female Physician Entrepreneurs Podcast. My name is Dr. Sharon McLaughlin. I started the Female Physician Entrepreneurs Facebook group. It's a place where we network, we learn about business, healthcare, startups, tech. And each week on this podcast, we're going to be hearing about inspirational stories from our members, as well as those in business and medicine who are really making a difference and stepping outside the box. If you like the podcast, do me a favor, give it a great review and I'll see you on the podcast each week. Today, we're going to be speaking to Dr. Sipra Lada. She's a board certified psychiatrist trained in pharmacology, as well as psychodynamic psychotherapy, CPT, and humanistic psychotherapy. She has a specific interest and experience in women's mental health and treating women through the transitions of life, including pregnancy, as well as the postpartum periods in April of this year. She and her co-founder, Dr. Shama Rathi, a child and adolescent psychiatrist, launched Thriving Lane. They realized that there were not just gaps in women's mental health, but this was an unrecognized and vastly underserved population where typically only journalist care is available. Dr. Lada and Dr. Rathi have set out to increase access to specialized women's mental health services, including high-quality psychotherapy, medication management, nutritional psychiatry, and mind-body interventions. They aim to scale their service and solutions utilizing technology for a holistic end-to-end solution in a fragmented space and pushing the needle in mental health care from reactive to preventative and progressive care. In the seven months that they've been operational, their approach and their market need has been validated by the rate at which they've been growing, as well as acceptance of a pres- into a prestigious Silicon Valley Accelerator. They believe in the era of precision healthcare. women deserve specialized mental health services. So that's Siprin, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So tell me, you're practicing medicine. What made you like, you know, we always say there's when you have when you see problems, you really want to offer a solution. So what was going on? You're practicing medicine. Tell us how yep. this came about, how you got into Thriving Lane.
1: Yeah, so I think this has actually been quite a long time in the making, and I'll take it all the way back to residency. So um, I was a fourth year psychiatry resident at Emory. I was doing my chief year at the VA. I was also working in the Emory um women's perinatal psychiatry clinic and training under Toby Goldsmith. And I was also um, very pregnant with twins unexpectedly during my last year of residency. And so it was a really just interesting time in my life where, um, you know, I was dealing with a high-risk pregnancy. They were monodie twins, sharing a placenta and having ultrasounds every week. If not every other week, I probably had like 40 to 60 touch points with my care team between my OBGYN, who was great, my maternal fetal medicine specialist and all of them, and then also working in women's mental health and seeing patients that were often sitting on waiting lists for months and months and months before they could get in to see a perinatal psychiatrist. Um, and I remember thinking at that time, like, hmm, this is interesting. You know, I was very well taken care of. And I, my twins came happy and healthy at 36 and three exactly when they were supposed to come. And my care team was great, but there was not one mental health check-in. There wasn't one, you know, Enberg or screening tool or anything that was done that entire pregnancy. And I was thinking like, this is such a missed opportunity, especially with gestations, the risk of peripartum depression or three, four times normal. And, um, you know, especially with all of these touch points, there's a lot of missed opportunity here. And then I was also seeing on the other side, you know, women who had been waiting months and months and months to get into care, finally coming in and thinking like, there's a lot of wasted time here. There's a lot of, you know, time that we might've been able to intervene earlier had we been able to see these patients. And so it it kind of just got my mind churning, but I had a lot going on. You know, I was having twins, I was finishing residency. And so right afterwards, I started my own um, private practice after, residency and just naturally gravitated towards seeing a a lot of women a lot of um, women in their childbearing ears a lot of women who were going through infertility miscarriage who were in the peripartum period it's what interested me and um I was also part time working for the VA, where I was responsible for kind of fixing holes and gaps in systems and processes. Um, And there's lots of holes and gaps, you know, in the system and process by which patients get psychiatric referrals and they get into care. So seeing a lot of these things kind of come together, which is, my interest in women's mental health, the the lack or the need for more women's mental health to be practiced as a true specialty. Um, I was getting to a point in my private practice where I was putting people in during lunch breaks and sometimes on the weekends and, you know, getting a call and um, trying to see where else I could put people in. And I live in Atlanta, you know, I'm not in the middle of nowhere, rural. Um, I, there's a lot of psychiatrists around me and still, even with having a lot of psychiatrists, there's not nearly enough for the, the number of people and patients that need to be seen. And there's definitely not enough that specialized women's mental health care. And so just kind of noticing these trends that are going on in private practice during the pandemic, I think my referral volume went up threefold. Um, and what became kind of a like a difficult thing to manage in terms of my schedule became impossible um, to try to really fit everyone in and, and serve um, the needs. And so At some point in January or February, I was sitting back and thinking, this isn't like a sustainable solution. You know, me just putting in one more person during a lunch break or on a weekend is not a sustainable solution. What I like to build things. What can we build to make this a sustainable solution? And um, Shama Rathi, who's a child and adolescent psychiatrist, was seeing this really on um, kind of a, a different angle, which is treating children and treating adolescents Uh, noticing that there's more and more need. And mental health rarely just starts with the child. It starts with the whole family. It starts with mom. Um, It starts with dad. It starts with how the pregnancy is thought of, how that kind of extends into early childhood and then later childhood. And, you know, seeing like we're treating this from a top-down approach where we're then getting these kiddos that are coming in. And there was maybe 12 years of intervention, you know, with the the mom-child dyad and things like that, which would have been very helpful. Um, and so we both put our heads together and said, we need to come up with a solution. It was, um, January, February, March, we kind of kept on thinking, what can the solution be? What can it look like? And then in March, we decided let's just hit the ground running. If we, uh, and I think, you know, many physicians do tend to be perfectionistic. We need to have the perfect solution before we can implement. Um, but we said, okay, you know, we thought a lot. We've been in the space for about seven to 10 years, each of us. Let's, let's start trying. Let's kind of put some solutions out there. Let, um, Let's get this together and we will iterate as we're building and as we're practicing. And if there's one thing we understand, it's patient comes in, patient gets treatment, patient feels better and patient goes out. So let's start with what we know. Uh, And so we kind of put together a task force in Florida and Georgia with therapists and PAs and psychiatrists and trained them in our women's mental health training course, which we put together um, and have gotten our telemedicine platform up and running. And they are seeing patients in Florida and Georgia.
0: I work in a Medicaid population in New York state and some of the pilot programs have to do with um, like a doula program, like people actually going, it's not just doula though, they're going in to evaluate mental health as well. Mm -hmm. And it makes such a difference even as far as prenatal care and admissions into the ICU, you know, prevention Mm of NICU. For the people listening out there, what other factors, like why is mental health so important during pregnancy and short, like shortly after or the, what we call the po- postpartum period?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I think mental health is important all the time. I think that importance really gets amplified um, during pregnancy and postpartum. I also think that postpartum is a, is a very vulnerable time, that fourth trimester that we're starting to define. Um, our general approach has been, you know, mom seems healthy, baby seems healthy, we're good to go next. Um, And really, that time is so much more intricate during the pregnancy and afterwards. And this uh, view that we have that if everyone just seems okay, we should move on quickly is not working, Right Where, where I'm finding that patients are coming back even years later talking about birth trauma, talking about things during that peripartum period that felt very out of control, which really set the basis to how they parent and how they think about their child and how they think about the experience. And so, you know, there's lots of reasons why perinatal mental health is important. I think that there's direct effects to the baby. There's direct effects to the the whole journey and the process. That beginning time is a very um, vulnerable time for the dyad. It's a very vulnerable time for mom. And just evolutionarily, if you think about it, you know, Women are prone to feeling anxious um, during pregnancy. They're prone to feeling anxious postpartum. Um, it's actually selected for. If we think about back in the day when there were bears and and you know things like that, the moms that were anxious you know, didn't sleep at night and watch their babies. And those babies were more likely to survive being a baby and then grow up and have their own babies. And so kind of anxiety trait has been selected for over millions and millions and millions of years. Now we live in a very different society where there are no bears, but they're still moms staying up in the middle of the night, unable to fall asleep while their their babies are sleeping because they're so anxious. And so, um, you know, this is a very biological thing. Uh, And I think a lot of the times in mental health, biology is really separated from you know, mental health and psychology. We have therapists that do what therapists do, which is the psychology of it all. Then we have um, physicians that do what physicians do, which is the medical side of it all. And really in the perinatal period, we cannot divorce those two. Those two need to be better integrated, I think, to have good outcomes.
0: Tell me about, for the people listening out there, it's so mm-hmm. important for mom to have good mental health but also as like a newborn and a child, a toddler, they pick up on when mom is stressed. So it really Mm -hmm. does have to do with, um, you know, hopefully even preventing ADHD or certain, you know, mental health issues that the child can undergo, you know, decreasing their anxiety. They feel uh, safe around a woman or parent, I should say, but here we're talking about women who are good buffers. You know, there's always going to be stress in society more among families depending on where they live what's going on than mm-hmm. other families as well but if mom is able to buffer the child the ch- it's been shown that the children do better long term mm-hmm. so thank yeah. you for the work that you're doing tell us more about thriving lane what is it actually like somebody listening out there are they not a physician or if there are a physician mm-hmm. like tell us about the website tell us about what are their um, you know resources what does it include yeah. as far as like joining thriving Thriving Lane.
1: Yeah, so Thriving Lane is um, what we're aiming to build is an end-to-end solution for women's mental health care. Um, right now, we have a lot of point solutions, right, for maybe po- postpartum or for adolescent girls or for menopause. Um, and Thriving Lane attempts to be a lifelong solution for women's mental health. And so um, for the clinicians that are coming on and practicing on our platform, they go through pretty specialized training where they get All of the clinicians, whether they are therapy-based or they're medicine-based, get a a full comprehensive training on women's mental health with the biology and the psychology brought together as well as evidence-based practice for treatment. Um, You know, cognitive behavioral therapy that is uh, catered towards the peripartum period or towards the perimenopausal period um, really detailed knowledge of OCD and pregnancy or infertility and some of those mental health effects and some of the medication that's used during the infertility journey and how that you know informs the overall picture so they're given a lot of very specific training um around what these journeys look like for women and then they have um they are also given training on mind-body interventions, so breathing techniques, meditation techniques, grounding techniques, all of those things that we know really increase overall wellness but are not necessarily traditionally infused into regular medication management and therapy appointments. Um, we also have background in nutritional psychiatry, so food is medicine. You know, what can we be doing at baseline uh, to increase the overall support and mental health. And so they get kind of that whole holistic bundle and training a specialized care and holistic care. And then they're able to utilize our telemedicine platform where we have worked closely with OBGYNs, with infertility companies, um, basically anywhere that women are getting care, uh, that need, a, a specialized women's mental health solution. Um, we're integrating with them, or working to integrate with them so that women are able to come to us directly with less wait times, um, and with more cohesion and more connection with their primary care, right? That's where trust has already bu- been built. They know their primary care doctors, they see their primary care doctors. Um, and so for us to be able to get them in directly, you know, I think we're decreasing learned helplessness around, um, around mental health in medicine, helping support our primary care providers and um, physicians and also helping get patients in quickly and get them good outcomes and feeling better and doing well in a specialized approach.
0: I'm really happy to hear that you're doing an integrative approach as well. You know, so many people mm-hmm. put off mindfulness, but it is so important. And I have a deep focus on nutrition and it's amazing how it can really help with chronic diseases. So the fact Mm -hmm. that you're including all of this is it's great for the platform. It's great for the people who are participating in your platform. So you have this idea. Do you know anyone that does tech? How'd you reach out to them? And you don't have to be that specific. It could just be a generalized approach.
1: Yeah. um, So we don't, we don't really know anyone who has tech. And that was part of uh, one of our concerns with kind of, thinking about building a tech platform and, um, doing something at a bigger scale. Uh, And, you know, we kind of fell back on the approach that there are solutions already out there. There There's solutions that we can piece together that we've utilized, you know, in different settings. Um, And so let's use that. Let's work with that until we can build our own, until we have a little bit more even data to inform exactly how we want to build, what the best way to build is. Because I think a lot of products these days, especially built kind of tech first, there's a solution and then there's a problem that's trying to be like jammed in to be solved by that solution. And so we said, we don't have tech background. Neither I nor Shema are technical in any way. Um, don't know the first thing about code. And uh, we are going to use solutions that are already out there and put them together and get more data about what we need and then take this to someone and say, this is exactly what we're looking for. Can you help us build it? And so we're at that point where we are working on building our own proprietary tech while we are using um, licensed products that already
0: exist. So you very smart because so much of this is testing in the beginning. Like I'm thinking, okay, nutrition's a great thing, but if you feel like it needs to be modified or this is all about testing. So it's really a great approach, like what you've done and then using things that are already out there and then kind of building from there. Excellent approach. As far as for the group here, what can we do to help spread the word? Are you looking for hospitals? Are you looking for private practitioners? Who's your target market? Like as far as helping you expand?
1: We're looking for both hospitals and private practitioners, um, and kind of systems of, um, groups. So, you know, big OBGYN groups, uh, things like that. We want right now, we're doing a lot of B2C and we've done some B2B as well. We have a contract with, um, like a a big infertility clinic. And so uh, we're really working both of those angles. I think it's really important for this to be a solution that anyone can pick up that someone can find online and go and say like, yep, I need this. I'm going to go register and get healthcare this way. Um, but I think in order for us to be able to reach the most amount of people the most quickly, um, and also go to where trust has already been built, it is within hospital systems. It is within the primary care system. It is within the OBGYN. If any of this is, you know, sounding interesting, I would love to have more discussions with OBGYNs and primary care doctors. Um, I think the, the reach that we've done to, primary care providers and OBGYNs specifically has yielded us a lot of results, but it's also hard to do. It's hard to get an OBGYN on the phone. Um, it's hard, you know, to kind of navigate that and uh, be able to show them quickly how we can bring value to their patients.
0: Looking back, would you have done anything differently? I know you had the idea very early in the year and you've done quite, you know, an, a massive amount in these last <laughs> few months. Would you have done anything differently looking back?
1: So I I think a couple of things that I would have done differently. One is that I would have started sooner. Um, I think that, you know, I'm very happy for us kind of, getting together and deciding we were going to put fear aside and just launching this, uh, regardless of all the obstacles that were going to come, But I think that there is so much work to be done. I I kind of wish we started last year or even the year before that. And I think a large part of that too, is spending time with people who have a different mindset or a bigger mindset or a, a mindset that just has more varied experiences and exposures. Um, because when I you know, called Shama and was like, I really think we just need to do this. I think we need to stop obsessing about what that perfect solution is and just get working and start implementing. Um, she said, okay, great. But if I'm gonna work with you, I need you to read these three books and we need to be on the same page about like our style of doing things and our way of doing things because I tend to be a micromanager. I want to do everything myself. I have a really hard time, you know, finding the who and letting someone else do it. Um, and so that was what actually one of the books that was the who, not the how, um, and, you know, delegating responsibility and getting comfortable with letting go some of the controls so that you can achieve a larger vision. I think that that's one thing I wish I had maybe clued into and zoomed into a little bit faster.
0: Going forward, what would you like to see?
1: going forward um, you know I think I'd just like to say that I'm really excited I think that there's a lot of innovation to be done in healthcare care um, I think that physicians are actually in the perfect position to do it I think so I, I founded a private practice psychiatry group on Facebook about five years ago when I started my own private practice. And it's been really interesting. The group is now about 3,000 private practice psychiatrists, MDs and DOs only. And almost every day I see a post on there saying like, I'm not a business person. I'm not a business person, but here's my question. I'm not a business person. Um, And so what I think I'd like to say is I think that we as physicians need to stop putting ourselves in these boxes where we're not good business people or we're not this and we're not that. I think the evidence that we've really shown is that We can learn anything. I mean, we can learn about the Krebs cycle. We can learn about vascular surgery. We can learn about, you know, radiology. We can do all sorts of really, really cool things. Learning business is, especially when you already have expertise, learning business is something that can be picked up, can be modeled. You can get mentors around. Um, And so I think what I want to say to other people is if you have an idea and uh, you know, you're in medicine just start, start from somewhere, there's, there's so much opportunity to be had. (laughs)
0: As we finish the conversation, is there anything else you'd like to tell the members of the group or anybody out there listening?
1: Yeah, I think that um, I just want to encourage anyone who's thinking about something to kind of start somewhere. And the the other big finding we had is that there are a ton of accelerators out there. There's a ton of people who are interested in um, expertise that physicians bring and ideas that physicians bring. We probably applied to six or seven accelerators. We were really surprised to find that we got interviews to most and went through multiple rounds of interviews and then got into our, our first choice. So um, there, there's a lot of you know really great things that I think can happen from just starting.
0: Thanks so much for this talk. I mm-hmm. appreciate it. Looking forward to watching you grow. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Female Physician Entrepreneurs Podcast. If you like us, please give us a nice review and tell your family and friends about us. We'll see you on another episode.